The Owls on Culture Podcast, Episode 4. We shall fight on the beaches. Welcome to the Owls on Culture Podcast, where two generations of owls, Michael the dad, me, and Hank the son, discuss the latest in movies, plays, books, video games, and more. Hello, and welcome to the Owls on Culture Podcast. I'm your co-host, Michael Owl, and I am with... Hank Owl. How you doing, sir? I'm doing very well. Outstanding, outstanding. What's new in your world? Well... I want to talk about the big Super Bowl party we had. I was sick while it was happening, but it was still a fun Super Bowl party. We had themed bowls, themed chips, themed drinks, uh, even themed cups for the drinks of Philadelphia Eagles and New England Patriots. I'm glad that the Philadelphia Eagles beat the Patriots so Tom Brady can't put another Super Bowl ring on another hand. Was it uh, tough for you to decide who to root for since our Falcons were, were gone and defeated by the Eagles? But yet last year we were, of course, in that game that shall not be mentioned, uh, heartbroken by the Patriots. Was it tough to figure out who to go for? No, I, I thought I was going to root for the Patriots, but then I was like, yeah, nope, root for the Eagles. <laughs> um, our themed drinks is represent the Eagles as Mountain Dew, most healthy of drinks <laughs> and to represent New England Patriots was Sprite Zero. Exactly. So and it was uh it was a private, a small party and you were what did you have? You didn't have the flu, but you were like I was I was just a small stomach bug. I threw up six times and oh, that's right. cover your ears if you don't want to mention this. The fourth time was the worst time because one, it was like all stomach acid. Two I was in a bed while it was happening, so I just ruined the sheets, which they had just replaced. They were new sheets. Three, it was all over myself, so I was so gross and I had to change clothes. And four, the most important reason, a quarter of it came out of my nose. <laughs> yes, uh, major apologies to Nana and Papa. It was their their sheets and their house were the, the, the beginning of the... The throwing up took place, and then you, and you transferred locations to here. Yeah, now we had to replace a couch cushion. So. It was a great game, though, right? Yeah, it was. A, it was a very entertaining game too. And I feel like people, a lot of people, weren't into it, and I wasn't, you know, crazy into it. But man, I'm, I'm glad we watched it. And this I had is like a great time the least you. popular, like one of the least popular years, like least viewing years in football history, with the whole controversy about. Uh, standing up during, I mean, sitting down during the Pledge of Allegiance. Yeah, well, I think it's not, it was kneeling, and it was not the Pledge of Allegiance, but the uh, National Anthem. Oh, yeah, sorry, National Anthem. Yeah, so they were protesting uh, police brutality and unfairness uh, in the judicial system towards minorities, but, of course, there's also a large controversy regarding that, which we will not talk about now. Yeah. Uh well, uh, what's new in my world? I don't even know what's new in my world. I guess the Grammys. You know, I'm still working my way through our taped version of the Grammys. And I'm, I'm not, I say I'm not a huge music person, but I do love the Grammys because they do a great job of exposing me to music I don't know. Yeah. Um, do you want to know who won a lot of the awards, who won the big awards? Uh, yeah, if you know. It I mean, was I'm, Bruno Mars. Bruno Mars won like 
best record, best album. And since I don't really listen to radio and you listen to it more, I guess when you're in the car with your mom, what do you, how did you feel about that? I felt pretty good. I think he deserved it. He looked like, he was one of those people who had like three songs on like the top, like the 20 that they circle around, like the oh, top right. 20 they circle around. Like so, those yeah. hit stations on Yeah, uh, like them and Imagine Dragons like always have like songs up there that's just... Or, and Ed Sheeran is the king of it. So. I gotcha. Well, all those people are pretty pretty great entertainers. Uh, so, Hank, what are we talking about today? Why uh, I started off about? the episode with a speech. I mean, with a word, phrase, we shall fight on the beaches. What does that mean? Where does that come from? Well, it comes from Winston, a big Winston Churchill speech. Uh, we're going to be talking about the Dunkirk um, rescue... Um, a combination of two Oscar-nominated Best Picture movies, The Darkest Hour and Dunkirk. Exactly, and I think it's actually just The Darkest Hour because I think there was other films called The Darkest Hour. Really? So they had, I think so. I could be wrong with that, but either way, yeah, Dunkirk. You know, it's based off a biography. I don't know if it's a biography, but it's based off a book. Uh, which one? Well, they're both based on real events, right? So somebody wrote books first, and then they adapted the books for the screen. Is that what happened? Yeah, I think with Darkest Hour, there's a. I searched up uh, Darkest Hour on Amazon, and it came up as the Darkest Hour book. Okay, so if they're, I don't think they're nominated for screenplays, but if they were, no, then at least not. that would be. It would at least be Darkest an Hour would be adapted screenplay. screenplay. I think Dunkirk. Uh, I think Christopher Nolan wrote that and directed that, but I'm not positive on that either. Well, it's interesting. So these are two kind of World War II stories, extremely different movies, but covering the same kind of period of time. Yeah, and they both end with that Winston Churchill speak, we shall fight on the beaches. That's exactly right. Isn't that fascinating? So in one, uh, Darkest Tower, we actually see him give part of that speech. And in Dunkirk, it's read off a newspaper, and a difference between them, in Darkest Hour, it was put in a good light as a... Good coming for Winston Churchill. But in Dunkirk, you see their reactions as if it's bad. Like in Dunkirk and Darkest Hour, the main characters that we see have different opinions on this speech. They do, but I might I might disagree that it turns out that it's bad. I know the, the characters think they're not going to be welcomed as heroes well, uh, I know. on the train, but let me... Uh, but at the end... You know, when they do arrive, they are greeted as heroes, which is kind of kind of cool. But let's let's go back to the beginning. So these are very different. So they end the same way, but they very different movies on how they get there. Dunkirk, almost no dialogue at the beginning of it. Great visual storytelling, great cinematic storytelling, huge expanses of the beach, their uh, beautiful cinematography, and is we don't hear for a lot. Cinematography? I don't know. So we don't hear a lot of dialogue. And in Darkest Hour, you know, it's it's all dialogue. It's all about communication. And uh, yeah, it's very little visual except that point where it like goes over the attack. Like, so, which which style of filmmaking, certainly in the beginning, did you like better? Uh, the Darkest Hour type of filmmaking. I like where it's like just dialogue and yeah. Or it's mainly more focused on the dialogue. I like it when movies are more focused on dialogue than movies that are more focused on cinematography. 
So that that tells me that you probably like plays a lot, maybe sometimes more than movies, because plays are generally more verbal than visual. I mean, not all the time. Well, no, I wasn't talking about, I was saying which polar opposite I like better. Which extreme do I like the most? Were you able to follow what was going on in the beginning of Dunkirk with so little dialogue? Did you get what happened that, you know, this guy got ambushed, he ends up on the beach, he runs into a stranger, you know, they make this plan to, you know, take this uh, wounded soldier to try to get on the boat. Did all that make sense to you with the little dialogue or did it take you a minute to kind of to follow that? It took me a minute, but I eventually got it. That roundup actually really helped me. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, it was just it was fascinating to me that the, the different ways that the filmmakers, you know, used their visuals and their and their words. Uh, what do you think of Winston Churchill right now? Based because I don't think you've had much of an introduction to him other than the random Doctor Who episode, maybe where the did you see that that one? Yes. So because that was probably your first introduction to Churchill, and now you've seen two movies. And now we're learning about World War II and social studies. So. All right, perfectly timed. Yeah, we have a like a poster of like all the military leaders, not military leaders, but all the leaders of the country, and Winston Churchill's on on it. So, what is your what is your impression of him, and and how would you describe him? Well, from the Darkest Hour, my impression of him was good and brave and very interesting person. But it also made me think very. I want to say impractical like his force is getting all these people to basically go and die and I honestly disagree I would not call the same call as we will never surrender I will not uh, I would not have called the same call I would go for a more peaceful option or an option that gets less people hurt okay and I think some people would argue probably that by by doing what he did, less people did get hurt in the long run. But well, know, I think hindsight's always twenty twenty. I don't know if um, in the 40s or 50s. So 40s, yeah. 40s. That they had enough military weapons to fight a war against the Nazis without... Sending many that as much men into fire. Like yeah. I know they didn't have like the drone stuff that we have now, but I feel like they had good enough missile technology to fight a war that way. Yeah, I'm not sure. I, in fact, I, I know that I have no idea that I'm not much one on uh, military strategy. And I, my U.S. history classes, I feel like we didn't even cover you know, World War Two or world history very much. Uh, so I know very little about this period. So I don't know. Uh, certainly there was... I mean, they had enough to send a nuclear bomb into Hiroshima and Nagasaki, so... Well, that was the United States did, yeah. Yeah, so... Oh, yeah, well, I guess Britain could have fought a war with missiles instead of sending enough uh, boys into fire. Yeah, my guess is it takes both. This podcast isn't about military strategy, so I think we're getting way off topic, and also I think we're talking about stuff we don't really know and understand. No, we're not. Uh, Of course, that's never stopped us before. Um, Yeah. So tell me, so the climactic moment in Darkest Hour, 
That's when he's giving the speech, and then the former Prime Minister, Chamberlain, makes a motion with his handkerchief, I believe, that kind of rallies everyone to get behind Churchill. Did you find that compelling? Did you find that... I found uh, that very compelling. They put that in a very compelling way, although... I felt weird that the movie ended with a speech, like ended after the line, we will never surrender, because the line, we will never surrender, was in the trailer. Just, ah, why do you put the climax in the trailer? Yeah, it's interesting, and I wonder if it matters, because again, based on, you know, based on actual events, that and a story that I think probably other people besides us know better, this whole Operation Dynamo story, it didn't. You know, it's just an interesting. It's just an interesting comparison with this, you know, life and death. Seeing it through the battle at Dunkirk, and then seeing the political machinations that went on behind the scenes. Are you drawn to one or the other? Which one? Like you more the palace intrigue and the politics of like how it made you know how this happened in. Oh, Darkest I definitely Hour? enjoy the politics more than the actual fighting. All right, that's interesting. Now, let's talk actors for a second because both these films have ridiculously amazing actors. Yeah. Darkest Hour. We have Gary Oldman, who I think you know will win the Oscar, but we'll have an yeah, Oscar episode later. We'll talk about that. Will. And then Dunkirk. You know, you had Mark Rylance, who's the best actor that I've ever seen live and in person and Tom Hardy and Kenneth Branagh and Celine Murphy. So amazing actors. Did you, was there one cast that you preferred over the other? I would, I enjoyed the darkest hour. Cause you can get the feeling that I enjoyed darkest hour more than Dunkirk, which I did. <laughs> I felt like, I enjoyed the acting in Darkest Hour more, but I feel like the actors in Dunkirk were better actors. Like, not from their um, film history, but from their acting in Dunkirk. Yeah, I think everybody was extremely, extremely well cast. Uh, If you had to recommend just one of these movies I have a feeling you would be recommending Darkest Hour I mean it depends to which age group I'm recommending the movie to yeah, I think even that. to most age groups I'd recommend Darkest Hour more than Dunkirk I feel like Dunkirk is a movie from 29 to 50. I feel like that's that's a really big age group, but I feel like that's more the age group. Well, let's talk about let's talk about the kids in age group. So what 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 age child would like either one of these films? Do you think these are both PG thirteen rated? Uh, do you feel like at eleven you were okay with uh, you know seeing both of these? Oh yeah, I was totally. There was nothing really bad about. Either of them. I really don't see how Darkest Hour didn't get a PG rating, but... Well, I mean, besides yeah. cussing, but... Yeah, I guess there's some cussing and some... And lots some of drinking. And lots drinking. of smoking. And... So... I'd recommend Darkest Hour from... Mature 8. I think a, even a Mature 8-year-old, I think, is going to be bored to tears just because so much of it is, you know, political intrigue. Well, that's why I mentioned Mature. Maybe Mature 9? 
think. Yeah, I can think. All right. McSure 9 and Dunkirk from... I don't want to say 11, but like 10, middle 10. I thought Dunkirk was going to be a lot more, say, violent. I mean, it was very violent. You have people burning to death, people drowning. But I thought it was going to be more graphic than it was. Uh, so and I'm, I'm glad that it wasn't. I didn't miss that. Um, yeah, just the whole, any scene where like, Somebody is in a boat or a submarine underwater, and the water is rising, and they're going to drown. Those always get me really hard. Like, like they, they hurt me. So I was glad it didn't get worse on that level. So what should, what should, what should, what should we rate these movies at? What should be the standard? Should we, have, we should probably have different standards for each movie, right? No, I think since we're mentioning in the same podcast, I think they should have the... Same standard. Wait, uh, remind me if the Dunkirk Invasion was in cause... Co- Dunkirk Invasion uh, the, was in cause from D-Day. Wait, was, that the, was that the cause of the having the picked up the people from Dunkirk? No, it was the Germans basically, you know, taking over and running through France. And so there was only two real outposts left. Both on the north shore there. Was this uh, pre D Day or? I am so embarrassed. Post D-Day. I don't know. Because in D Day, they're sending Allied troops who's sending people to. What's the word? Um, how am I forgetting this? Uh, I don't know. So they're invading the beaches of Normandy. Free, this is a rescue the operation. Of Normandy. Well, I want to know if it was like caused because the Allied troops were invading the beaches of Normandy, I don't France, f- because there was Germans and there was a, a lot of German power in well, so, France. Well, so if the if United States is are you know is the storming of Normandy, that's obviously after the United States is involved in the war, and this takes place before the United States is involved in the war. Remember that phone conversation? I thought that was interesting. He had the private phone to the United States president. And uh, right there in the bathroom. Yeah. So so he was asking, you know, look, you know, we've, you know, we paid for these ships. We need, we need these ships. We need his help. Uh, so this is before the D Day, and oh, before so, yeah, the, this before is, it comes in. This is pre D Day. Yeah. So this is this is Operation Dynamo, where you know the the British government, you know, requested you know the the, the citizens take their own private vessels and help rescue the miracle at Dunkirk. Is what it, you know what it came to be known as. All right. All right, so why don't we say um, you want to say boats? <laughs> let's let's actually do it in different. Let's for a darkest hour. Let's do cigars. All right, excellent. Or cigarettes. No cigars. Let's do cigars. And for Dunkirk, let's do rescue boats. All right, that sounds good. So, tell me, so how many cigars out of five would you give Darkest Hour? Four. Four, four, all right. Four, four, three and three quarters. Yeah, I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it three and a half cigars for me. And how about with the boats for Dunkirk? 
Um, uh, I don't think this is not, of course, rating on my opinion and enjoying it, not on if it was actually a good movie. It's going to be some mutiny getting on the ships because they only brought uh, three and one quarter ships. <laughs> or three and a half ships. Let's All right, I would give and this... Three and one quarter... Yeah, three and one quarter ships. Three and one quarter. I'm going to give it three and three quarters ships. I think I liked it. I like I liked Dunkirk a little bit better than Darkest Hour. And I, I, th- I certainly think it's the more more difficult film to make. Oh, yeah. Dunkirk was definitely more difficult to make. Did you have a, a favorite storyline? I know you didn't love the movie, Dunkirk, but a favorite storyline in the movie? Because in that one you had you know the, the air battle going on with Tom Hardy. You had Mark Rylance in the boat coming to you know rescue. You had this young soldier who we meet in the beginning paired with the French soldier you know, trying to escape. Which one did you find the most compelling? And there may have been another one that I don't remember, but... Uh, the people of one the most interesting and and compelling, definitely the most interesting was the people in the boat trying to wait for high tide to get out. Mm, that was stressful, right? To see what the bullets were shooting inside them because of target practice. Yeah, that was excellent suspense. Uh, I think I think because of I liked the Mark Rylance and the boat, and then I liked Tom Hardy in the plane a lot. I thought those were interesting perspectives. Uh, Tom Hardy in the plane was the least interesting for me. Okay, that's fascinating. That's cool. Also, I felt like Tom Hardy, no offense, Tom Hardy, had to do the least amount of acting in that role. Oh, I don't know. Had to do the least difficult acting. Oh, I think he had to do the more difficult role because he couldn't even use all of his face. You know, he had the, you know, the oxygen, you know, mask on it. So he had to do, he had to get all that, um, you know, action and emotion by, by sitting still and having part of his face covered. So I think that's really, really difficult. Okay. That, I wonder that if he likes doing really the face cover because he did Bane too, you know, with the face covered thing. Yeah. I wonder if he's a face covered person. I feel special. like you've done other face covered roles he too. Like have, he's, maybe. A, he's a face covered person. I might have taken a special acting class for that. Special face covered acting class. Alright, so that kind of winds up our conversation of uh, Darkest Hour and Dunkirk. We both liked the films. They're both nominated for Best Picture. We are going to do a special Oscar episode, but uh, just a tiny preview of that. Do you think either one of these films will win Best Picture? Or which one do you think would have a? Which one do you think is getting more has more of a chance to win? Uh, I'm not willing to give any information at this time. All right. I'm after we record this. I think I'm going to start doing my getting my predictions ready. All right, we got a we got a few weeks. We got a few weeks. Awesome. Uh, what are you reading these days, Hank? I'm reading this. Huge collection of all five Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy books written by Douglas Adams. And you were nice enough to read that to me the other night, some of that. And, I has, and it had been a little while since I've read them. I've forgotten how ridiculously funny oh, they are. They amazing. Are. I'm currently in the beginning of the third book, Life, the Universe, and Everything, which is so far very funny and definitely still keeps the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy part. They just ended with a, like, a climactic like explosion, and it turns out they actually just turned on a really loud documentary. Spoiler alert. Uh, what, 
uh, is your favorite. That is this the third one you're on now? Yes, the third one. And which one did you prefer, the first one or the second one? So far. Um, the second one was more interesting. Oh uh, yeah, I'll say the second one. Although it's a really close tie, it's really close because the first one was also very good. Do you have a favorite character? It's hard not to say Ford Prefect, who I think I'm. That's who I'm gonna cosplay as, as at Dragon Con. Oh, cool. Well, um, I've started reading Ford Prefect oh. or ah, Arthur Dent is so. Uh, Ford Prefect there. Ford Prefect. Gotcha. Uh, what are you reading? Uh, I am reading um, A Wrinkle in Time from Madeline Lingle. I just finished it, actually. That was a book. Getting ready for the new movie? Exactly. So I think we should both read it, and then we'll we'll talk about it on a podcast. And I and I don't want to go dive too far into it, because we will be talking about the book further. But what I realized is that I didn't remember this book at all. I just remember the cover of it. And it was very it was not what I thought it was. So that was kind of a fun surprise to have. But that's that's what I was just uh, just reading. What character is Oprah playing again? I don't know. I haven't looked into the movie at all. all. I would imagine one of the goddesses. They're goddesses? I think maybe that's not the right word. It was, you know, they're kind of witches, goddesses. They're weird. Beings. They're weird. You know, the, the Wrinkle in Time is a part of a book series. Like a five-book series. I know. It's and crazy. I don't know anybody who's read it any more than the first one. I don't think anybody has. Well, that's probably not true. But is anybody of your classmates reading that? Or have you guys, no, did you guys read it in school at all? they've already read it or they have no interest. Oh, interesting. So when do you think people read that in third grade, maybe? Third Fourth? grade, probably. Gotcha. You guys are always ahead of us. Everything third I, grade everything I did... You were doing two years earlier, basically. Yeah, I've seen like third graders like reading the Deathly Hollows. Like, it's crazy, crazy talk. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I'm Michael Owl, and I'm Hank Owl. And make sure to watch some of our other podcasts because we shall never surrender in giving you great content. Bye. <laughs> Outstanding. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Owls on Culture podcast. Our theme music was recorded and assembled by Marine Serzier and Antoine Haran. The show is produced by Pinecone Turkey. To learn more about Pinecone Turkey, visit pineconeturkey.com, where you can read the latest blog posts from the Owls on Culture hosts and sign up for the flock email a twice-a-month newsletter that delivers a short film, poetry, a short story, and visual art right to your inbox. It's your monthly dose of art curated by Pinecone Turkey. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can do so by leaving us a rating on iTunes. Thanks for listening.